0: The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. You can support the show by clicking on the Donate button on the website or in the show notes.
1: This is Ivarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. One of the questions that's often asked from aspiring photographers is how do I develop my style? After they've gained some sense of confidence over the technical aspect of photography, there's this obsession on discovering that unique voice as a photographer that will help differentiate them from everyone else with the camera. They're often looking for a simple answer, which is as easily understandable as using a fast enough shutter speed to counter camera shake or using low ISO to minimize noise. But discovering one's style is often less about technique and more about something more personal. What you are drawn to photograph, what you respond to visually, is often colored by the life that you've led, the choices you've made or failed to make. It's about both the good and the bad, the joyful and the painful. It's all these things brought together into an almost unfathomable whole, which sometimes only finds its meaning within the context of a photograph. At least this is part of the story for today's guest, Michelle Groskoff, a street photographer who you heard a little from during our previous episode. Michelle is often described as a street photographer, but her photographs of strangers in suburban communities is also part documentary, part autobiography. It's this intimate and personal use of the camera that inspires her to photograph in the way that she does. And her style comes forth not as a result of some construct or strategy, but rather as a result of something far more natural and sincere. Well, I love your work, and I'm I'm so glad that I got a chance to to meet you in person a couple of weeks
0: ago. Yeah, thanks. Ditto back.
1: That was a lot of fun. It was. It was. I'm so impressed by your work.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: All right. I've been taking a look at it for the last couple of days, and uh, I love how you explore suburbia. Thank you. When a lot of people think about street photography, they think of more urban situations. Mm -hmm. And um, I I love it when, because I think part of the the issue is that people who are practicing street photography usually live in suburbia. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they don't think that there's anything of interest to photograph there. Totally. And you kind of reveal, you really turn that on its head. Because you really reveal that it's not, not just about going into some sort of an urban environment and creating these gritty photographs. Right. Um, that There's really interesting subject matter to be had everywhere.
0: That's so true. I think that there are a lot of, you know, expectations that surround street photography and the idea of street photography for people. And that's very limiting. Mm -hmm. And I think because I'm self-trained and I went into the exercise of photography with very little expectation, that it's become for me a more freeing and a personal experience and exploration. And and I'm kind of on a mission to share that idea with people that you don't have to necessarily follow the guidelines that are set by all these amazing historical figures that you can make it your own. It can be whatever you want. You can shoot literally whatever you want around you and it still be really fulfilling or interesting or engaging.
1: Yeah. Well, you, your work, is, as you said during the presentation, is very personal. It's very reflective of of you growing up. Yeah. Um, so wh- wh- why don't you provide people a little background into wh- what that story is? Because it informs so much of your work, and I think it would be really helpful to have an understanding. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, what- totally. Um, so I am from a small suburb outside of Toronto, Canada, and it was a really nice place to grow up. I feel I had a, a sort of a lucky childhood It was uh, a kind of a place where we knew all our neighbors. The kids were able to run free. Um, I had a lot of freedom to just kind of explore. Uh, I spent a lot of time alone. It was a Jewish suburb. And by that, I mean just a large Jewish community. We know there are certain, for me, symbolic connotations to that or visual representations that are kind of reflected in a Jewish suburb in the 80s. And it all made a very big impact on me visually. And then at the time, you know, you're growing up, you're a teenager, you're in the middle of nowhere. I was, you know, coming out at the time. And I felt, although it was really sweet, that I was trapped, that there was no culture, and I was desperate to to get somewhere else to see other things. And I very quickly, you know, moved to Europe when I was a young person. I think I was 20. And then I ended up in New York immediately after uh, a couple of years in Europe. And I just never looked back. And I was on this mission to kind of like explore art, see the world and all these things. But all that time, I think those visual you know, kind of symbols that I just mentioned, or that experience of my suburban childhood was bubbling in the back of my mind, sort of unfinished business. And, you know, the minute I got to LA, something kind of got triggered, I would see all these strip malls, sort of sort of people that were very reminiscent of that childhood for me. And I just ran with it, I just decided, whoa, I I'm just going to start photographing these people and follow up on this feeling that I have and kind of like re-explore those childhood memories. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's very personal. I I keep calling it street photography as autobiography.
1: So when you started photographing in the streets, were you were you already conscious of that or did you start seeing it in the work and yeah. discover that, "Oh, you know, wow, I'm really kind of exploring" aspects of my own, my own life in
0: here. Yeah, no, it definitely came later. Firstly, I've been shooting, you know, street photography since I was 15. Um, I very early on grabbed a camera and ran around the city of Toronto and then New York. But throughout that whole chunk of my life, I was shooting, I think, along the guidelines that were set for me, I would do sort of decisive moment stuff. And I have a, a huge amount of, really fun work I think that's reflective of that style but it was always kind of the secret hobby of mine I didn't really tell anybody some of my friends knew that I was shooting consistently but I never took it seriously and I think when I got to LA I sort of shifted gears and I was You know, this is a long story, but I found it really hard to find work here. And I sort of struggled with, you know, being in a new city and not really knowing people and all the things that come with a big move after many years. I would walk my dog and take these photos. And I think it was after a few months of doing that that I started to recognize, oh, this must be like some kind of healing process or something, or I'm definitely doing something here that's more personal than what I was doing before. I started to, you know, think about what that meant, and and then it kind of became clear to me, and my style shifted dramatically um, from my early work, for sure. I mean, you look at them side by side; they're completely different.
1: Yeah, because you get you you get very intimate, you get very close. Yeah. Um, you're working with flash. Yep. Um, uh, tell me how you progressed to that. I mean, because it's it it's it's a it's a style that most people aren't brave enough to broach. Right. Yep. And. And so I'm sure that there was some sort of build-up to getting to the point where you could do that as regularly as as you do.
0: Yeah, um, it definitely took some practice. Uh, The first year, I've always been very attracted to color. I think LA has a pop quality that I'm so intrigued by. And in order to achieve that mix of intense color and sort of like a brightness... I needed to kind of play with the camera and figure out I'm totally manual on all fronts. And I needed to come up with myself for myself, a, a sort of a technique that reflected those desires um, to see the city in color and bright and close and so I started off just using the onboard camera and then from there I progressed to like experimenting slowly. I brought a small flash and then, you know, I played around with my shutter speed and I was constantly doing experiments. And I think it took me about a year to really get comfortable with the place that I'm at now. And I've been mm-hmm. shooting that for, I'd say, a couple years. I use Fuji. I used a small camera and... Yeah, I'm just, I'm still experimenting all the time. And yeah, there's a huge, um, <laughs> there's a lot of practice that goes into, I think, being comfortable with just running up to somebody <laughs> with a camera, a flash. That definitely took some trial and error to build my confidence. And I, I still get scared. And sometimes I'm still also playing around with the idea of how not to be as obvious in the street. And still capture sort of like subtle moments because more and more people are seeing me. I have a giant rig with this like flash. <laughs> and so um, that's changing the work. It's more portraiture now. And um, sometimes that frightens me. I, I love the idea that people don't know that I'm shooting them. And I'm always really interested in capturing something that feels sincere. Um, so it's, a, it's still an experiment for me. I'm still working on it,
1: <laughs> why do you need to be so close why what What do you capture by having reducing that distance between you and your subject that you feel like you couldn't get otherwise
0: oh, totally there's a couple of ideas behind that. first and foremost is the idea of memory. I have these very specific images in my mind of my childhood, a lot of hands, um, a lot of big nails, big glasses, big hair, these details that I think I'm obsessively trying to recreate. And in doing so, it's important to me that there isn't a lot of background in my photos that kind of give you a sense of place necessarily, because that would ruin that sort of you know, what I'm going for, what I'm trying to capture. I want a timelessness. I'm very conscious of what's in the frame and what I'm trying to show people. I don't want to leave a lot of room for interpretation. I want it to be very clear. You're definitely looking at these nails or you're definitely looking at this face or this expression or this body posture. And that's really important to me. So I'm kind of always obsessively framing. And then secondly, And this is just a personal sort of mantra of mine. I'm very conscious of the sort of space I take up on the street when I shoot. And I think telephoto lenses are really creepy. So, you know, I'm just using this Fuji and it's a pancake lens. I stand by the idea that if I want to get these close-up shots, I want to be in the world and I want to be getting them authentically, not from across the street. I don't want to be a creepy person. If somebody sees me, that's okay. If they want to have a conversation about it, I think that's a much better way for me to be in the world, to have these conversations, to explain myself. A, because it puts people at ease. It starts a conversation about this genre that is both growing and fading at the same time. It, like allows me to think about my own process. You know, there's so many more positives with me being close to people and taking that risk than for me to be across the street with a big zoom lens. So I really stand by that. I think it's important to take that risk. If I'm going to get these shots, then I should have to work for it. (laughs) That's just the two reasons why I love... And there's just something very beautiful about being close and intimate with people they don't always like it but the end result is undeniable it's always like I want my work to be like a slap in the face or of color of feeling of sentiment of personality and it's you know sometimes I take a picture that's a little bit longer um but it's usually and my inclination is to be up close Mm -hmm.
1: And what's the reaction that most people have to? I, mean, I know it's very it's very diverse from people who are yeah. different to people who are very angry about it. Yeah. Uh, but but tell us about what some some examples in terms of the reactions and how you choose to do it.
0: Yeah, like you said, very diverse, but really, really, really great. There's some people that I think are very comfortable in their own skin when you come up to them with the camera. They're very giving, and that's very indicative to me of their personality. And often those people I end up chatting with after the fact. I'll grab the photo, and then suddenly I'm hearing the story of their lives. I love to shoot with teenagers and elderly people. Those are my favorite um, folks, you know, once again relating to my youth. And there's a lot of emotion there. Teenagers have a lot to say, as do seniors. and on a really good day, it's like I have an energy going or something. I'm just putting out this like really positive energy and people relate to me really well. And I have a lot of beautiful conversations and I make friends, even if it's only momentary. There's just this good feeling that's built up. It's hard to explain. It feels like a momentum. Then there are days, and this happens more often than you know I'd like where one person just yells at me I mean screams at the in the street at me and my confidence goes down the toilet like I get super scared I can't take another shot I'll try you know sometimes you just got to get back on the horse I'll try and it's something like I become very self-conscious and people feel that it's really about this energy and people are feeling you and you know, if one person yells at me off the bat, then chances are five more people are going to yell at me until I force myself to go home and give up on the day. I've had a lot of bad experiences with men. I'm kind of a small lady. I'm like, I think on a good day, I'm five, four. And a lot of men will kind of like hover over me to ensure that I erase the photo. I've only erased one photo in my life, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of argumenting that happens and I try and calm people and talk to people but um, I've definitely felt physically threatened before and shamed I get shamed a lot people are like what are you doing you're crazy and this is in the middle of the streets it's just a horrible experience but for the most part I would say like you know 80 70 80 percent of the time it's very positive or people don't even notice I, I love talking to other street photographers because I think everybody kind of has their trick. <laughs> and for me, it's like, I think I play the tourist or I go very blank or, you know, a lot of times people don't even know that they've had their photo taken, even though I'm right there with a the flash. So it runs the gamut. I I think it's horrible when, you know, I feel threatened, obviously. It scares me, shakes me deeply.
1: So what keeps you going out there because that that fear of confrontation is I think the number one reason yeah. while so many people who would like to do street photography yeah don't do it and it's, it's it's one of the questions that's always asked of us yeah uh, in terms of how do you how do you how do you do it but I think that the more interesting question is well, why do you keep doing that because we've all been anyone who's been working on the street for a while has had confrontation yeah but we keep going out there and doing it. And my question to you is, why do you keep going out there and doing it? Even though you know you're going to face that on occasion, what what's driving
0: it? Yeah. Well, I think it's a great life lesson. I a you know, for me, most of the street photographers that I've met are very strange, lovely people. <laughs> and I think that there is something very specific to our personalities that make us want to be vulnerable in the street in that way and to expose vulnerability. And I find that there's a commonality between all of us, even if we're doing very radically different styles. There's just a quality that we all have that makes us want to be out there. And it's kind of like a bravery. but on a, a larger, you know, like in a larger way, I think it's this beautiful life lesson that there are all, like we all face these challenges. You could be working at an office every day and you have to work hard to be heard or, you know, to play the game of politics that occur among the different people in your office, or, you know, you have this idea and you need to get it across There, like we all have those challenges and it's just hyper magnified when you're like a weird stranger doing something out of the ordinary on the street.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's taught me so much. I I really like, not to sound corny, but I go on and on when people ask me about how much street photography has taught me about myself more than it's taught me about people. It's taught me about myself, you know, what what makes me tick, what I love to look at, What I'm interested in, you know, how resilient I can be, how creative I can be. I I mean, I wish that for everybody. I wish everybody's passion led to that kind of self-knowledge and self-love. So that's what keeps me going. Also, I'm just really weird. I just really enjoy it. There's nothing in my life I think that I enjoy more than that feeling. At the end of a day of having been out, there. it's just a feeling. That's mm-hmm. so intense and so alive. Nothing else gives me that. There's nothing literally that I can think of that makes me feel so connected to myself and the world than being out and shooting people and doing this thing.
1: You, you've been photographing for a while in an area of Los Angeles called Larchmont, yeah. which is a small suburban community, not too far from one of the, uh, uh, I think it's Paramount, uh, Paramount Studios, yeah. near the Wilshire District. It's a really interesting world. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place. But one of the things that uh, that really intrigues me in terms of your choice of subject matter is that you're, you're photographing what's largely sort of a middle-class, upper-middle-class community, which usually aren't sort of this, what people sort of think of when they think of subject for street photography. Mm-hmm. And I think that turning the lens of a street photographer to the, the middle class and the upper middle class is interesting. Cause I think people in those communities are much more self-conscious of image mm-hmm. than people that, that the people often think about when they think about street photography, you know, as compared to the people say who are in downtown Los Angeles, for example. Right. And I think about that dynamic in terms of how, they will react to being photographed as as opposed to some person who's you know selling you know bacon hot dogs downtown Los Angeles. You know what I mean? There's a power dynamic at yeah. play that okay. I don't hear often talked about often enough, and I think it's you know it's issues issues of class. Mm-hmm. You know that the expectation that I would have as a photographer photographing on Rodeo Drive mm-hmm. as compared to downtown is going to be appreciably different.
0: Totally. I've never actually, you just like triggered this great idea for me, this idea of the power of, of the power play happening. I, that's such a great way to put it. The The funniest thing that anybody's ever said to me on Larchmont, and I think is very indicative of what you just talked about, is somebody was like, was this older woman, and she's like, she's like, I know street street photography, and it's all been done before. So you should just stop. But she was so mad that I took a photo. and. <laughs> it was so weirdly self-referential and that maybe she she probably did she's probably been to some great shows and to various museums and she was kind of wealthy and you seem sort of cultured in that way and in that world it was a really funny statement to make and I've thought about that a lot yeah these you know it's such a strange thing these people all Well, first of all, that's my upbringing. And so I feel very comfortable in it. But I myself am rather impoverished. I'm queer and I don't look like those people. And so in my mind, I'm like, these are my people. And I go out onto the street and they're looking at me like I'm like some scrub, like some weird. I'm not, I mean, they just don't understand what's happening. So that's first of all as far as that power dynamic. And then secondly, these are people, A, that probably give regularly to the arts. You know, it's it's a neighborhood, a part of Hollywood that, like you said, is linked to Paramount. It was like an old studio neighborhood. There's a lot of wealth there. There's a lot of people working in the industry or had worked in the industry. And so these are people that understand image making. They understand storytelling. They understand you know, the history of art in a way a lot of these people are like really old, and yet they're so I mean, I get the most pushback on Larchmont. I think people really dislike when I'm doing a Larchmont. I think people would much prefer it if I was downtown shooting. I think for them, they they that's exotic, but they feel like privacy is something that they deserve and are owed. And there's something about privacy and wealth that go hand in hand, that mm-hmm. you've bought this right to be anonymous or to at least control your image and how you present yourself. And there I am running around up in people's faces and they despise it. And I think often I have conversations with people where I'm like, no, large one is changing, although honestly it's changing at a snail's pace, but you know, it's changing. It's like these faces will be gone. A lot of the people I've shot have already passed on, which is really sad. And I'm like, I'm just trying to capture this thing because nobody else is doing it, and it's beautiful to me. And I constantly have this conversation, and people still don't get it. They don't understand why I'd want to shine a light in their little corner. It's really interesting.
1: Sometimes I wonder where it's, it's people feeling like they're going to be mocked. Yes. And I think when you have when you have a certain degree of of wealth and and power, you become very self conscious. Yep and i think that part of the idea and why why you don't see a whole lot of say documentary work mm-hmm. that focuses on the affluent is this idea like as you said that they want to be able to control their image yeah. and i think that as a street photographer turning the camera on on, the, on them uh takes that control and i think that that's part of the fear yeah. is that they're going to be made to look bad or be critiqued in a way that they wouldn't they wouldn't like
0: yeah absolutely they really feel self-conscious And one thing that's so lovely about Larchmont, it's this very unassuming little strip. It's kind of like a high street in the middle of this neighborhood. People have a lot of pride there. There, Things are shifting in that there's more young people visible on the street, especially at night. It's like a kind of like local date night spot. So you'll see a lot of young people getting ice cream and going for dinner. But for the most part during the day, it's a lot of like really well put together Seniors like old Hollywood, and they really dress up, and there's a lot of pride that they have, and and a lot of like concern about their image. So sometimes they're very open to having their photo taken because they feel that pride. But for the most part, they're impressing each other. They don't want an outsider in there being impressed. It's so it's really weird. I mean, I've had I've talked about it a lot. I was I did a little. Um, I had a little blurb in like, like uh, LA Weekly at one point about my large mom project. I even brought the large mom project to Boston in conjunction with the Magenta Foundation's Flash Forward Festival. And so there's some press around it. And I thought that would for sure ease the people. (laughs) Like, I Mm -hmm. thought people would read this article and be like, oh, I understand what she's going for now. But it almost made them close up tighter. It was so strange. It's just really... Strange. I, when I decide to go and shoot on Larchmont, I have to really steal myself.
1: Yeah, because it's not that big. I mean, no, it's, it's tiny. What is it? Seven blocks or yeah, something
0: like that? At the most. It's really like two small. blocks of actual intense shopping district.
1: <laughs> they see you yeah. coming.
0: Yeah. And I'll make a few swings around because it's kind of short. So I'll just hmm. go in circles. And there are many regulars like that, that sit out and have coffee and like. There's spots in the street where they like to congregate and, you know, people are doing their shopping and they see me coming a mile away and that, like, it's gotten kind of uncomfortable. I almost don't appreciate it anymore (laughs) as Mm. much as I did. They're like which is sad to me because it's very unassuming but it has some of the most amazing faces I've ever seen like there's people on Larchmont people that like if you just stop for a minute and really take notice there's some incredible people watching on Larchmont just really beautiful like swath of this kind of like old middle class upper middle class Hollywood and you know it's, that fascinates me but I, you know it's like Coming home for me, but I'm such an outsider to them. It's really uncomfortable and sad
1: yeah it i like, I look at your pictures, and, as you said, some people are just they're so well put together yeah. i mean they' in the detail in terms of their shoes, mm-hmm. their nails, their hair, all of it but you you're getting in so close that that you're realizing that they're oh these are human beings yeah because you're you're showing the blemishes yeah. the the, the, the un um, slight pieces of unkempt hair. Uh it's not this sort of polished magazine look. No. And I think I think that probably creates a level of discomfort, not not only in terms of the people being photographed, but people looking at the pictures. Yeah. Because I think there's there's such a a refreshing realness to to the photographs cuz I look at these people and I go, I know these people. Yeah. People all the time. Yeah. But, you know, you, and you reveal that in your, in your photographs. And I think that's, that's what I love, uh, love about them. But I can understand that that's also what, what would put some people off about.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. That's exactly what I'm going for. I mean, I remember being a kid and seeing like, you know, these of like women who would have curlers in the, in their hair and their big glasses at the supermarket, kind of in their pajamas, pushing their little carts like that is you know and I never saw that in New York and then I got to LA and you kind of see this sort of like mix between image and fashion but also like a very casual quality like LA is a super casual place and it's so beautiful and sensitive and I'm just so in love with it and so attracted to that kind of little bit of anxiety or that little bit of like just mistake I don't know I think it's so beautiful and very telling of who we all are and underneath everything and I think a lot of people think of LA as from afar and I certainly did as something very glamorous Then you get here and it's really like a beautiful diverse city I'm just lucky that I have the opportunity to focus on the things that interest me because it's so I mean you know I've met a ton of street photographers in LA who are all doing very different work Mm -hmm. and all in one city. It's kind of epic. And, you know, I think because I'm queer and in my background is film and, you know, I'm political and, uh, you know, it's very important to me to see street photographer get get to a place of diversity. This is kind of straying from your comment, but, and it's kind of like, sometimes I wake up and, I'm a little bit sad that I'm focusing on the white upper middle class or the white middle class. Um, But, you know, that's my personal mission. Like, not mission, but that's my path. And that's where I come from. And that's who I'm shooting. And they may not even appreciate it, but it's about me in the end. And that's kind of just what I'm doing. And, yeah, all those little frailties really speak to me.
1: Yeah, I and I love seeing pictures from people. Cause street photography, good street photography is is very self reflective. Yeah. I I know when I when I look at my own work and I know what appeals to me. I know it's just like you. It's deeply rooted with what I grew up with. Yeah. you know what's familiar to me. What's what you know the characters that I gravitate to. There's a reason I gravitate to them over and over again and it's and it's beyond simply what they may look within the confines of the frame. You know, there's something that resonates with me. Yeah. And that's what I'm drawn to uh in so many ways. And I think that until you get to the point where you recognize that your photographs can end up being very derivative of a lot of the street photographers exactly. that's out, that's out there and that and that's the that's the challenge. Um like with with your work as you said you like exploring seniors and teens so what let's talk about seniors f- for now when you when you photograph these people in large in hollywood in different parts of los angeles when you take a look at those photographs what are they reminding you of what what do they connect for you when you take a look at those photographs
0: um definitely it's like all my childhood like literally My colourful Jewish family, who all these people have passed on, sadly. And also, if anybody listening knows anything about Toronto at all, there's the corner of Bathurst and Steeles, which is like very far north of the city. Um, It's kind of a mix between, or it used to be when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, this kind of mix between... Russian it was like a little Odessa almost and um old world Jewish and then a little further north was like burgeoning like kind of middle upper middle class community that was growing that's exactly what they remind me of like to a T I can almost take each and every one of them and pick them up and put them into my childhood there was an old folks home right on the corner of Bathurst and Steels um next to a McDonald's and every day all the seniors would come and sit out front on these benches and my grandmother lived right across the street and I would you know wait for her to get home from work after school and I would just watch all these people it's 100% without a doubt coming from that exact place for Mm -hmm. sure and like sometimes I'll go home to Toronto and Like there's my whole neighborhood that I grew up in, Vaughan, in North York, and I'm I'm working on this slowly, but I have this huge desire to get a grant, Canadian grant, to go and shoot the neighborhood that I grew up in, because although it's changed a lot, it hasn't, it still has that kind of old world quality and slightly reminiscent of Larchmont, sort of, Um, and yeah, I just get so excited just thinking about it and you know, I had gone home, gone home for so many years, and I didn't even bother visiting where I was from until I moved to LA. And I'm like, I should go and see what, you know, if these memories are real, or if, you know, I'm making this stuff up, or if this still exists. And I went home, and I had such an emotional experience of it. You know, I it just, that was really, I think, the moment where I tied together memory and my current work and actually being in the space where that was developed initially for me yeah that's what i'm thinking old people are just the best i hope i can't wait till i'm old hopefully and i'm still shooting like can you imagine being on the street and having like an 80 year old woman jump up at you with a camera i mean (laughs) that's my dream (laughs) that's nirvana for me um they have so much to teach us too. I mean, when I sit down, I have a lot of conversations with people, like I said, and especially old people. You know, they're not listened to. Their family ignores them. They're wandering around. And they have so many beautiful things to share and teach and quirky, weird stories in the history of L.A. And, I mean, it's just amazing. You have to respect that.
1: And I love the the, the pictures that you did of the young girls. Yeah. That's just really Uh, fascinating yeah
0: yeah same thing I mean I grew up surrounded by young girls going to the mall and it's so powerful it never changes like that power of gaggles of young women like they're it's just this it's a very powerful symbol of women that you know sort of gets broken apart as you get older it's, I think, at that time when young women are their strongest as teenagers. And I love that. I love tapping into that energy. I love the fashion of it. I love their choices and what they wear and how they stand and how they look at the world and present themselves and the experimentation that happens. And like, I always feel so lucky when I find an opportunity where I get to shoot that. Um, Because it's hard. Like, I'm 40. And I still think of myself as young and cool. But you know, I'm not. And so they look at me like, who is this lady shooting me? But I just think it's very powerful, those representations.
1: When you see those photographs of the girls that you, you photograph, what did what did you learn about your own childhood or your own girlhood and how you saw yourself as a girl now, now that you have the chance to regularly turn your lens on on these young people?
0: Yeah, well not to turn this into a therapy session, but as a kid, you know, I was really nerdy. I was really awkward. Um, and I like was always kind of on the outside of stuff, which I think is really relevant to street photography um, and photography in general. But um, I think I always wanted to be a more of a part of that group. Later on in high school, I found all the arty kids and it changed my life and I did, you know, find my community and then the queer community and the dance community and all that kind of stuff that was a big part of my later high school days but early on when I was really young I spent a lot of time alone looking at other groups and I still I'm still like a big loner I don't you know I'm not very social and so I think it's like the mystical magical other for me I think that's what it is I think that I'm looking at these girls and I'm thinking like, wow, you know, still like, I'm being transported back to being young and being like, wow.
1: Do you turn your lens on, on the queer community?
0: No, I should. That's the thing. That's why I wake up sometimes with guilt. Like I so badly like, and fiercely like, want to see more diversity, especially I, you know, my dream is that, you know, photojournalism and art in general comes around to diversity but especially street photography I mean I'm staunchly angry at the limited response to street photography and I think it's such a powerful genre it's important historically it says so much about who we are and there's so much power in the gaze and in 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 you know shooting and being able to shoot and i just want to see different experiences explored and i am in the queer community and i should be documenting it and i'm not and so i definitely have some weird guilt about that but i'll come around maybe that'll be a project down the road but for now i'm just really focused on my own it's kind of childhood experience i think queerness came later for me too and like, so I'm not relating it as much somehow.
1: To you think the story? it's tiny, what we talking about earlier about proximity, about things that are so close to us that yeah, that we we have difficulty seeing it, or is it just do you think like a uh, sort of a conscious choice not to right now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I go out, like you know, which isn't often, but I used to be super social and I was in the queer scene a lot and lesbian scene and everything and and you know i'm fascinated by you know what's happening with gender now and it's so you know exciting to me and but i think i've always been kind of more of a participant than an outsider when it comes to queer stuff i just really want to experience it and not documented. I also never really like shoot my friends and I don't really shoot. I love to shoot my family, but I don't see them that often, but I tend to point my camera at strangers and make strangers personal Mm -hmm. as opposed to shooting personal things. So I think I'm just too much involved in the community to want to shoot it. It doesn't interest me. It doesn't, I'm not like, Oh my God, I got to shoot this. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Except for kids that are playing with gender that really, I mean, that's not the wrong word for it, not playing with gender, but like experiencing gender in different ways or, you know, breaking down gender, those kinds of experience are very interesting to me. And that's, an, that's something that I would love to explore given the chance for sure.
1: You know, you've been shooting for, for Vice and yeah. In other, uh, I guess, other publications, and what I really like uh, about the fact that uh, that is that uh, I'm seeing Michelle's work elsewhere, and it's Michelle's work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, cool. Right on. So
1: a lot of people think about, okay, I'm a street photographer, but when I do editorial, I have to shoot differently.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And and, oh man, it's that's such a trap to fall into. Yeah, sad. You are getting to shoot just the way you see, just the way you shoot. So tell me about. Not just in terms of how that's happening, but why that's so important to you.
0: Well, thankfully, well, there's a few things and I still have issues with it. I think some editors still kind of pigeonhole me as a street photographer and for some reason um, have difficulty in Envisioning me shooting stories or fashion, but it's starting to change for sure. And I think we're so lucky right now that there is a real respect for personal vision in photography. Um, And I think that's a great change from like, I don't know, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. And people are looking for very clear voices fresh voices. And it's kind of amazing that now at 40, I feel like I found this fresh voice and people kind of relate me to, you know, sometimes if I'm lucky youth culture and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I really don't know how else to shoot. It's kind of how I shoot. It would make me sick to my stomach to kind of like water that down or to change that. And so it's a, it's a conversation constantly I'm having professionally. I think I get passed on certain jobs because people assume that my look is very this one way. Um, I'm lucky, I think, that I studied filmmaking. And that was my introduction to imagery. I studied film forever. I was, I taught a MFA level class in film production in New York. Um, I love film. I hope to one day get back to it. Um, but it taught me a lot about storytelling and, um, whether it be photography or moving image story is above all else. And I was, had a very rigorous training in that. And I think that's something that it's easy for me to talk to with editors and with clients. I feel very comfortable talking about story and I feel very confident in story. And so I think it's a mix between those two things. One is that people are desperate for interesting, fresh content. And then the other is my own personal background and comfortability with storytelling in a way that I haven't even, I don't think, gotten to explore as much as I want to. I, I just signed on with Institute um, Artists, and it's a great agency, and I'm really proud of mm, that they chose me to be on their roster with these amazing other photographers, and I hope that that also helps enable me to experiment and explore my abilities as an image maker and a storyteller.
1: Did they approach you did you approach them? They approached
0: me. I don't even know how that happened. (laughs) I feel really lucky and I'm very grateful for the opportunities that it brings me and the sort of like strength that it gives me to pursue the dreams and goals and stories that I want, you know, and um, takes the fear out of things too. You know i I also think how amazing that is that an agency is or agencies are looking to street photographers to represent street photographers. That's a real shift. There's like a huge new respect and response to street photography, and that's partially i think because of you know cell phones and whatnot but um and the amount of work that's out there, which isn't always good but um I think that's a great thing but I'm a street photographer and I'm represented by an agency how great is that that's a lot of faith in in that form of storytelling you know and I I think I get actually the most pushback not to sound like whining or complaining but from the street photography community I think people don't always know what to make of me and my work and my theories and so, I'm always glad at the opportunity to talk to people about it. And I have made very deep connections with some street photographers because of Instagram and those various events that I do or shows or et cetera. And, you know, I think there are different ways to approach the medium. Let's all get into experimenting and breaking up all those expectations that have been built up over the last hundred years. Let's all make street photography look like almost unrecognizable i think that would be amazing i want to know what what street photography looks like for queer people for people of color for like can we, can we celebrate more women please and you know i want to see these variants of experience exposed and because it makes life better and it makes the work more interesting and it makes being a viewer more interesting um i think street photography is really powerful
1: Uh well my last question mm-hmm. that i Guess is I asked them to recommend another photographer. Oh, yeah. To discover and explore and give be anyone. Someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why?
0: Yes. Man, there's so many. Oh, my God. I'm forgetting his last name. And maybe you can help me because he's such an amazing photographer and so sweet. And I think of him in terms of Instagram. His name's Sean. It's underscore XST. Do you know his work?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Man,
0: yeah. he's a visionary. He is so talented and such a sweet human being. Like, I haven't met him in person yet. I hope that happens soon. But we're chatting all the time and supportive of each other's work. And I think he's bringing something very different and really exciting to street photography. Um Oh, my God, there's so many people. Ali Cherkis in London right now. There's a kid whose name I do not know, and I don't know who he is, but his name is Bandini3000 on Instagram. He's amazing. He's so weird. His work is so different from anything I've seen before, and I'm just so in love with it. Uh, Alexander Coggin is also amazing. There's so many. I mean, there are just so many amazing photographers, Tammy Mercur, and she's out of the South and she works consistently and she's a hard worker and she shares her love of photography with the world by curating, by being a voice on Tumblr, by supporting female photographers. I mean, I could there's a list that can go on and on, but I'll stop there. I, I can literally sit here for another hour and mention people that inspire me on a daily basis.
1: And well, what, where can people go to find more about you and your work?
0: Um, I am Daily Street, one word, on Instagram, and I update that sometimes too much on a daily basis. I shoot every day and I upload every day, and that's probably the best place to see current. I'm also Daily Street on Tumblr, and my website is mgroskoff.com. those are great places I'm working on a monograph with with the Magenta Foundation I'm I'm really excited about it will be my first book that might not come out for like a year but we're starting to edit and so that's super exciting and yeah
1: well thank you for making time for me and you're
0: awesome I was so excited I feel really honored to be on your show and to have met you and seen your work and really uh I hope we should go out and shoot that's for sure
1: Thanks again for joining me. Please remember that you make a big difference in our show. Take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store and make a small contribution to the show. It all goes a long way. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian and this is The Candid Frame.